mind-blowing moments in the everyday chaos storm of life. Justin Alameda, who is on the board of End of Life Washington and the Seattle University Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Studies. Justin is a Unitarian Universalist ordained minister and a hospital chaplain. Justin comes to us today from Seattle, and we're really happy you're here. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, a really great idea for a podcast. Oh, thanks. Thank you. I'll, I'll take it. So Justin, tell us about the first time you remember feeling a sense of awe or wow in your lifetime, in your yeah. childhood. Gosh, you know, and when I think maybe the first time, um, so I was raised in a, in a very, very Catholic family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mom's side of the family, um, Irish, Catholic, dad's side of the family, Mexican Catholic. And so I had like super Catholic on both sides. Double Catholic. They're also a double Catholic, but double yeah. hippie Catholic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hippies. Acoustic guitar Catholic. Uh, right. You know, Absolutely. It's I know kind of, yeah, kind of Vatican II ish Catholics. Yeah. Right? Kind of justice oriented <laughs> Catholic. I, I dig it. Yeah. And, and their idea um, and experience of church was you didn't just go to church on Sunday. You, work in the church you volunteer in the church you do ministries in the church and so at a young age of course um what do young kids do but they become altar servers absolutely yeah right and so i have this memory of maybe being eight years old you know the same age my son is now yeah and um being part of the liturgy you know and it was always, you know, it was always really fun and terrifying to participate with the priest in the preparation for the Eucharist. Yeah. And I remember, you know, at this age, you know, we would be kneeling on one of the altar rails by the altar as the priest was going through the the blessing of the sacraments. And just feeling this sense of peace and awe and reverence of just everything that was going on wow. and just and the words you know saying you know and you know for the catholic right it's you know this is my body which has mm-hmm. been given up for you this is my blood which has been given up for you and really having an impact of this idea of like what would it mean for a human being to give up one's life yeah, to you love know, for their friends, love. right? And so at eight years old, I, it's just this vivid memory yeah. of just really being moved Wow. Um, at that time. So I think that's one of the, yeah, that's probably the first memory that comes to mind oh, when it wow. comes that's to that, that peak experience of, of the holy. Wow. Well, I, um, wow, that's beautiful. I was going to say my, I was trying to think of what mine was and I was, um, this is, this is embarrassing, but it's when I got a peaches and cream Barbie and when I was six years old for Christmas. So I, I think you win, you win the first moment of all contest. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I don't know. What was the Barbie experience? Well, right? she was, was just that? very beautiful and glamorous and children, you know, age eight, age six, 
you know, have this this unfiltered capacity of just immediate joy. Absolutely. Right. It's incredible. And, and to see. now that I'm a jaded 40 something, um, that it's harder now. Yeah. Or at least I experience it harder. Um, but wow, right? Whether it's Barbie, which is big right now. Which is big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm in the ten. church. <laughs> Anywhere I'm else there's me, I'm it's Ted. <laughs> yeah, it is true though. I mean, I, you know, my niece and nephew, um, the amount of times they're struck speechless, like just because they're so excited about something. I mean, it happens weekly. Like, and I don't remember the last time I was struck speechless by anything. <laughs> But, you know, like a new playground will, like a playground they've never been to, like that's, that knocks the socks off of them. That's, that's all inspiring, you know? Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be that open to, to all and experience. Yeah. And uh, even now, and part of how I access that now is through my son, oh, right? Sure. Who's eight years old and, yeah. you know, it will be on the, the sound, the Puget sound um, and, where we're really into rock hunting and, you know, he will find, you know, a beautiful rock on the beach and like come running up to us and like, look at this rock. And it's just, it's, it's this infectious um, joy of like looking at this, you know, piece of stone that um, is like, I mean, I would say, you know, qualitatively beautiful and, yeah. And then also having this idea of like, what has this stone had to go through in its existence? And we're talking, you know, millions and millions of years and to end up just in the hand of an eight year old in the right time and right place. Right. That kind of thing. Absolutely. To wash up on shore. Right. Yeah. And it just it brings me to just this experience, this shared experience, both with to Tobias and myself of, yeah. wow, look at this rock. Wow. <laughs> It is amazing, right? It's been under pressure for millions of years. And that's why it has these beautiful layers and this absolutely incredible uh, structure and crystals. And it's wild. Yeah. And here we are experiencing it, right? Yeah. At this time and place. Uh, At this time and place. And and we're a fleck in the in the history of, you know what I mean? I mean, a little blip. Yeah, a tiny, I mean, I'm not going to make the, the timeline of, you know, it's not like dinosaurs, Kate Landis, like it's not, it's not how it goes, but still I get to be here and see it. And it's, it's thrilling. It's exciting. It yeah. yeah. And it's there. And it's there. I, you know, I, I feel it's this human capacity um, that really came, came out during the pandemic. I remember reading an article from a psychologist um, who, you know, because of quarantine had been in their house for like, ever yeah. and was finding themselves really um depressed yeah you course. know no human connection scared for their lives i mean and and this is you know a professional mental health provider right yeah. And, yeah and really started getting curious about awe and about joy and and decided like you know i'm not gonna wait for it i'm gonna go mm -hmm. and find it mm -hmm. and what they found in and these ended up studying this was that human beings have the capacity to find that, you know, encounter with joy and awe almost anywhere. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Because we're just, 
we're wired for that. We're wired for joy. We we are. We're wired for joy and that we can not necessarily force ourselves into it, but we can open ourselves up to what is already in front of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then suddenly notice it. See it in a different yeah. way all of a sudden. Yeah. 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 And the way that this particular, um, you know, psychologist uh, found is that they would go out for a walk and find a flower and intentionally look at that flower, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And try to notice all the little intricacies, right? At first it's a flower and then it's, okay, that's a spiral with petals. Right. And then it's noticing, oh, well, there are layers of petals. Yeah, and little bits of pollen, and right, and like going deeper and deeper, and then eventually um, coming to holy crap, that is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely, and radically um, practical. Like I, 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 somebody mentioned recently at Beacon Food Forest, where I volunteer, a big permaculture uh, community gardening project. Um, that the the leaves and petals of flowers are are engineered, uh, if you want to say it that way, to to get water where the plant needs water most. You know what I mean? And to make pollen accessible. And I mean, so they're just absolutely stunningly beautiful and really good at their jobs. <laughs> you know? Good at living. They're good at living. They're good at living. <laughs> sunlight. I know. Yeah, they've evolved for so long. And they're, yeah, not just art, but incredibly practical design, you know. Right. And we human beings, I find, are also designed in this way. Hmm. How do you mean? Meaning that here we are, you know, we have this capacity to find our food and water and not necessarily just, you know, the physical food and water, which we can do, sure. but also the, the food and water that sustains our mental, emotional and spiritual well-being, mm. right? Just the fact that we can go on a walk mm-hmm. and be open to awe. Yeah. It, it's part of our engineering and the way we come together as human beings, you know, uh, the the Western kind of hyper-individualism aside, you know, humanity, uh, human beings evolved as a species, as a communal species. Yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely. We have evolved just like a plant has um, to have what we need with each other. Mm-hmm. And to stick together, mm-hmm. um, absolutely, even though people can be kind of a pain in the neck. Yeah. We can be, we can be <laughs> really pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, and, but you, yeah. and you like those communal rituals, right? I mean, I think I, I remember seeing you do you do a Day of the Dead and it's a ofrenda, yeah, and it's a which means altar, um, and uh, yeah, it's a Mesoamerican tradition, especially out of Mexico, and it you know goes back into Aztec and oh, um, I didn't know that. yeah, it goes back because uh, the ritual itself, um, the Aztec culture was very very centered around life and death and the passing between um some of it could be pretty bloody um and yet uh really uh focused on ancestor worship which we find in multitude of cultures around the world and in that ancestor worship as the mesoamerican people were colonized and christianized became part of that liturgical celebration um especially around all souls day uh, yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah, and All Saints Day. And so, um, yeah, every year around Halloween, um, 
you know, my family, we put up uh, the pictures of everybody who has passed before us. Um, And not just people now, now animals are on the altar. There are, um, we I've started inviting people in the neighborhood to bring pictures of their loved ones to put, I put it in front of my house. And so people can just stop by. And it is this idea of um, remembering and telling the stories of who we are and where we come from. Wow. And that in those stories, it can be remarkable memories of how, wow, how did I get here? Uh Uh-huh. Right? You know, all of these people lived and loved to the point that allowed me to to be in my particular time and space, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which just blows my mind away. And this incredible resilience. I mean, I just, whenever I think about my ancestors, this... Um, this refusal to to stop even when everything seemed uh, pretty awful, you know, <laughs> just they were just going to keep going. Yeah. So my, I wonder, if, you know, looking at the altar, this sort of this reminder of all these people that did that, you know. Yeah, my grandmother on my dad's side, uh, she when she was twelve years old, left with her brother, her tiny little village in Durango, Mexico. Oh, wow. um, toward the U.S. border because there was no food. Oh, yeah. It was either stay and die yeah, or take a chance. And so a 12-year-old girl oh, with yeah. her, you know, 14-year-old brother wow. walked across the desert, it's, worked, yeah. yeah, worked at the, at the Southern California, or no, they, they crossed over in Arizona, um, oh, okay. worked at the, the border for two weeks to earn two pennies wow which was the the price to cross the border oh my gosh yeah and this was in the early 20th century and somebody had to hire them and they had to yeah do adult labor and yeah put up with whatever yeah that entailed yeah yeah and made their way into you know the los angeles area right but but just i mean it just blows my mind that a 12 year old could move through that absolutely yeah and end up having 12 kids yeah right one of whom was my dad and yeah I mean just a whole story is like oh my gosh wow when they got to LA did they have family there or did they have to set up a house I think I think there was family there Uh, at least that's what my grandmother's you know in her in her story and um ended up marrying my grandfather and um they grew flowers oh wow yeah yeah, so sort of a florist business. Wow, yeah. incredible. Yeah. And survived. The family line and survived. survived. Of that. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, many, many times our families of our stories of survival. And now, you know, you're a, you're a hospital chaplain and you work with End of Life Washington. So a lot of um, stories about endings and finding meaning in what's come before, I imagine. I've found, at least in the hospital, that for some people, even at the end of their lives, they are able to access a sense of joy and awe, mm-hmm. right? I, I think in our culture, there's always this sense of like, well, if we're dying, then automatically there's grief and sadness and, yeah, you know, the, ren- the grinding of teeth and the wrenching yeah. of clothes. And there's certainly that. Yeah, um, yeah. And for some people, they are able to to laugh and to be intentional about finding joy and awe even up to their death. Wow. Yeah. Which is 
is amazing. Absolutely. And I really believe that that all human beings have that capacity. So what is being on the board of End of Life Washington like? For those who aren't familiar, End of Life Washington is one of the organizations that really works with um, Death with Dignity, with uh, voluntary secession of eating and drinking. So all of these ways that human beings have to um, to look at our lives um, and the end of our lives and decide intentionally, what will I do with what I'm given? Uh, the way that the laws are structured right now is to qualify for any of these. Um, you have uh, a person has to have less than six months to live. Yeah. And so the organization it hel- itself helps draft legal um, legal policy, uh, helps provide information for medical providers and also for um, families and individuals um, and is contentious, right? Because here in the United States, we have um, a very polarized um, relationship with life mm-hmm. and death and who gets to decide both right right yeah. and so this this organization very related can, act, uh, activities right you're right yeah. and um and a lot of times these questions are tied deeply into people's religious and spiritual beliefs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so the organization brought me in to help with those conversations yeah, navigate. Yeah. Um, and on the board are physicians and lawyers and ministers and, you know, people from a lot of different walks of life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying to navigate um, how we hold our human autonomy in relationship with community in the way that allows us to live intentionally wow. and especially to live intentionally with the idea that. I may have three months to live. Yeah. Acknowledging that life is finite, which yeah. I I feel like a lot of the pushback against death with dignity, we used to call it euthanasia, is a, is around accepting that our, our lives do inevitably end. Um, <laughs> and I, I feel for like it's every really person. for some people to accept that, yeah, like <laughs> we we all die. That's That's another thing we have in common with all our ancestors. You know, they lived and they died. And uh, absolutely. I've had the... I don't know, pleasure may not be the right word, but the the experience of being with people as they were dying just a few times and, and watching the suffering, uh, the pain leave their bodies, watching mm. their face relax. I mean, it's, it really is, um, it's awe-inspiring. It's a beautiful yeah. thing to, um, to witness that transition. Right. I, a particular patient just came to mind um, uh, when, I, when I was working at the Veterans Administration during COVID. Um, mm-hmm a young person that I would, I would consider young, um, in, in their forties, um, their lungs could no longer sustain them. Um, had a transplant mm-hmm. failed, the transplant oh. failed. Yeah. Um, saw this person move through two years of fighting for their life. Wow. And not just their life, but their life with their children Oh yeah. and their partner. Yeah. Um, in the end, making the decision for no more fighting mm-hmm. and was supported in that decision. And I remember being in that room and 
during COVID. And so we, we bent every rule possible <laughs> yeah. to, to get the, the children and the family oh. at bedside. Oh, good. And um, the patient was lucid mm -hmm. um, to, to almost the very end. Wow. That's wonderful. And um, we turned off the machines uh, and their, their ask was to play Bob Marley in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, as their breathing became harder and harder, they actually, exactly, exactly what you said, there was a peace. Mm -hmm. There was a letting go. Mm -hmm. They were held by the deep people who love them. Oh, absolutely. And Bob Marley in the background was singing, everything's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. And they died. Mm -hmm. And there was crying mm -hmm. and tears and sadness and also a deep, deep relief mm -hmm. from the children and the partner that their loved one was no longer suffering. And so it was this awe-inspiring, beautifully tragic mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'll ever forget it. So I was wondering if there's a story or a folk tale, a song, something that's that's guided you along your path in life and that has to do with awe, that helps you find those awe moments. The one that really that has been helping me the most, especially in chaplaincy, you know, in the work that I do in the world, is... Um, you know, story has uh, these two Buddhist monks who are walking down the road and um, just peacefully, you know, very centered, very mm -hmm. friendly with each other. And they happen upon a um, a part of the road that's been washed out. Um, oh. because it's been raining. It's a rainy season. And so this, you know, the road has been washed out. There's high water and mm -hmm. there's a woman who is very wealthy who um, is stuck in her carriage in the oh. mud um, and, you know, all of her um, attendees are trying to get things across the water. Wow. And she sees, she turns and sees the two monks and she demands that they carry her across um, to the other side so mm. she can continue her journey. And one of the monks, um, you know, agrees, hands his stuff over to his, um, his friend and you know picks up the the wealthy woman and puts her on her his shoulders and they start treading through the water mm. and the the woman is complaining and trying to direct the monk and trying to tell him like what to do and where to step and it's yeah. like hitting him on the head oh, no. uh, right and, and he's just and trying he's to just, stay upright right yeah. and he's just he's just carrying her and he's you know the water's getting deep water. and it's like up to their waist and they're yeah. they're getting across and you know she starts complaining to him like how dare you get my shoes wet oh, and, no. and they finally get to the other side and the monk gently places the woman on a dry spot on the other side as her servants are getting things across the river and um you know just bows to her and thanks her you know for allowing him to help her and they start um walking away and the old woman's just like doesn't even acknowledge them once they put, ah, once he yeah. put her, down, her down. You're useless to me now. Right, yeah. you're useless to me. And so they're walking away and um, the monk's friend, the other one, uh, who didn't carry the woman, but 
you know, help carry the stuff. Um, for about a mile down the road, all he's doing is just complaining about this woman and how ungracious she is. She was. And this is the and one who didn't carry. This is the one that didn't carry her. And yeah. he's yeah. A, he just goes on and on about how horrible this woman was. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, why, why did you carry her? You know, why didn't you just like put her down in the water and all yeah. of these things? And and finally, after about a mile or so, um, the monk who's complaining notices that his friend hasn't really said anything in in about a mile, mile and a half. And he finally looks and he's like, aren't you angry about what right. this woman did? And the monk, you know, his friend looks at him and he says, brother, you know, I put her down a mile and a half ago, but for some reason you're you keep carrying her yeah because that anger right because of that right and i think of that cohen you know that story Mm -hmm. as just a really great example to me of you know there's a lot in life that are sometimes placed on my shoulders on all of our sholders more and more i'm learning how to put things down rather Mm -hmm. than carrying them with me Mm-hmm. Uh, longer than I need to. We're gonna let it go as the Frozen soundtrack. I'm sure you're familiar with. I, I, I as love a, as a dad. that song. Yeah, um, it's just yeah. it really is kind of an anthem for its time. So much I find, at least within Buddhist practice, the idea that in many many ways I am the cause of my own suffering right. is very very true. Mm-hmm. And how how do I release it? How do that I put clinging it right? Yeah. yeah. So Justin Alameda, it's been such a pleasure to uh, to have you on All in All. I wonder if people want to learn more about you or follow you on Instagram or Facebook. I wonder if those are, are uh, things you want to make available to us. Yeah, uh, people can go. I mean, you know, so Justin Almeida, it's J-U-S-T-I-N-A-L-M-E-I-D-A, you know, dot com or Instagram or Twitter. I mean, that's honestly, you'll you'll just be encountering a lot of pictures of my family and of our bees in the garden, the bees in the garden. And um, once in a while, maybe a musing on life and death. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to All in All. New episodes drop every Sunday morning. So come on back and see us. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe. All in All is a production of Punk Dog Studios. And the music is by Thomas Landis. Host is Kate Landis.